Welcome to today's episode of Let's Talk Sports. I've got on with me our newest member of the panel and a longtime friend of mine, Ryan Dicker. Ryan, thanks a lot for coming on to the show today. Hey, Goldie. Can't wait to join you on Let's Talk Sports. I know we have a lot of exciting things planned, so let's get after it. Absolutely, man. We got a lot of great stuff we're going to be diving into today. Going to give the people some post-NFL draft analysis as well as some other stuff. But before we do so, I want to give a quick shout out to Sherm, my co-host on the show up to this point. He's going to be taking a little bit more of a reserved role going forward. Going to give him some more time to play Warzone. But I want to give a quick shout out to him. Thanks a lot for helping get the show on the road here. And we're looking forward to having you in a couple episodes. But let's move into the topics here. So the UFC is going to be having an event in Florida on May 9th. We talked about this being a possibility a couple episodes ago when the governor of Florida deemed sports an essential service, thus opening the door for this event. How excited are you for this UFC event in a couple weeks? Well, the eyes of the sports world are going to be on UFC and Dana White, that's for sure. This event's going to act as a trial for the entire sports world. If it does well, we could see sports back sooner than we thought. But if it's a failure, we're going to, we're going to see sports being pushed back, and there's no question about that. Absolutely, man. I'm really antsy because that NFL draft gave us that little taste of having our sports back. And I just had this three day span of like momentary joy where all seemed right in the world and we got to watch our football. But now that that's over and we're back to no sports, I'm as sad as I was before. And I'm just looking forward to getting it all back. And the UFC seems like that first piece of the cake right there to getting it all back. So looking forward to May 9th and watching some guys throw some haymakers. Before we get into some other stuff, I want you to tell the people here a little bit about your business, Ryan. So me and my good friend Mikey Hamilton started Golf to You Toronto. It's a touchless service where we deliver the driving range to you. We have a driving range mat, a net, and a launch monitor, which delivers your swing analytics right to your smartphone. I want to lead into our topic of the PGA. We, uh, we know about um, uh, the UFC, who's going to be the first sport coming back, but it's also been announced that the PGA will be returning in mid-June. That's something to look forward to for sure. And golf is definitely one of those sports that can cater towards the limitations we currently have. Want to speak on that a little bit? Well, hey, golf should be one of those things that it should be the first thing back. I mean, honestly, it's more about the maintenance people and the, all the parts that come together to make the whole show go. And that's the problem with golf. I mean, if it was just the players out there, they'd be able to go out and I mean, playing twosomes, keep their distance. They're able to do that. So it's all about the adjustments. And I mean, golf's going to be the first sport that us as the, as the regular people in society looking to play sports. I mean, we're going to be able to play golf sooner than a lot of other sports before, I mean, training camps for football start, even at the higher levels. Like, I mean, public golf courses, I think in Florida might take a little bit longer, but the private courses there, they're going to open as soon as they're allowed to. And aside from uh, the PGA, the professional golf, we all know about this Phil Mickelson, Tiger Woods, Tom Brady, and Peyton Manning charity event happening where they're going to be playing some golf, and that's going to be nationally televised. So, I mean, aside from the UFC event, that's definitely at the top of the list in terms of events I'm looking forward to watching. So, first off with the Tiger and Phil, this is exactly what we needed. Peyton and Brady, those are personalities who are going to make it exciting. The first, the first event was super hyped up. Everyone was excited. But Tiger and Phil were out there playing golf. They, yeah, there was the side bets, but they didn't have that it factor to it, to be the show on them to, which is something we've never really seen in golf before. Mm -hmm. Brady and Payton, I mean, especially if we've seen with Payton Manning and retired. 
he's a great personality and he will pe- keep people glued to their TV when Tiger and Phil could steal the show with their golf shots. Mm-hmm. Good to see the rivalry between Brady and Manning extend off of the gridiron. So I'm looking forward to watching that as a Manning fan. It's going to be a lot of fun. So I wanted to talk to you a little bit about this. Today, this morning, actually, on Sports Center, the good Sports Center, American Sports Center, Urban Meyer came on and he discussed about the possibility of the college football season returning on schedule. And he actually said that at this point, it's looking as if it's more likely than not that the schedule will resume on its normal trajectory beginning on time. Is that something that you're surprised about? And how exciting is this for you? I mean, thinking about the NC2A and their... uh... How do I put this into words? Their pessimistic approach. They will do whatever they can if they're able to, to have players out there and make money off of them. I understand that there's been changes and that players are going to eventually be able to start making this money off endorsements, but the NC2A has the exact same motives. They're going to try making as much money as possible and getting these kids back on the field as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. Well, One thing I wanted to talk about, and it's really interesting to note, is the fact that the NFL draft, it being the only sporting event that's happened in these past couple months, it dominated in terms of its ratings and its prevalence throughout society and in the sporting world. And that really did a lot for the NFL and their offseason success compared to how hard some of these other sporting leagues are getting hit by this coronavirus issue. So it's interesting because... A lot of sports look to be rushing back to return at the prospect of gar- of gathering these uh, these benefits, I guess, that the NFL just got from the draft being so widely viewed because of the lack of sports. We I was talking with Dave, our guest from a couple episodes ago, and he was mentioning how if the NFL returns and no other sports have returned, they're just going to continue this dominance. Do you have any thoughts on that? So just a quick point that I thought of there. NFL did a great job. I want to throw that out there. I was glued to my TV for three days, and I feel like a lot of people who might be football fans but wouldn't tune into the draft because of this situation really tuned in. And I think the NFL, their partner, their partners, everyone, everyone involved, I mean, they did a wonderful job of putting on a show that people could really tune in for and get excited about sports and come together because – that's the beautiful part of sports. We need people to come together. In a time like now, it's those events that are really going to give people hope. All right, things are going to go back to normal. Mm-hmm. Props to Roger Goodell for ensuring that the draft happened because it was an unquestionable success. And as the ratings suggest, a lot of people were tuned in, and it really did a lot of a lot of you know great for the NFL listeners. We were all super excited watching it. It worked out really well for a lot of us, and that's something that we're going to talk about later on in our draft reaction. So we may as well move into that right now. So, quick thing before we jump into our draft reaction, just want to give a quick shout out to all the CFL prospects who are going to be picked today. Great job by the league also for getting this uh, getting this day going forward as planned and. Hey, proud of all the Canadian boys who are going to step into the CFL field. Mm-hmm. Shout out the CFL, go Tiger Cats, and let's move into the NFL. Shout out to my Tiger Cats. Let's let's have a good day. All right, fellas. So let's talk NFL. The draft happened about four days ago. Yeah, it must have been four days ago and ended on Saturday. Really interesting draft. Not a lot of movement in those first 15 picks. I don't think there was a pick till halfway, till 13 when the Bucks moved up one spot to get Tristan Wirfs. But 
a lot of surprises near the end, a lot of winners, a lot of losers from this draft. We're going to get into who we like and who we don't like. One thing I really wanted to talk about was the fact that ESPN and their production, despite the fact that I was really entertained by the draft, they definitely went a little overkill by highlighting the worst moments in everyone's lives for the prospect. I mean, I understand that they have hardships and that that serves as their underlying motivation. And it's interesting to learn more about those guys that are coming onto your team. But with the short span you have to sell these players on national television, I would have really liked to see more positive stuff tailoring towards their performance on the field rather than towards their personal lives. But aside from that, it was a really good, really good night. And you know what? It seemed like there was two main themes there and they were on the two far sides of the spectrum. They would look for something bad that would happen in a player's life when it's supposed to be one of the biggest, mo- it's the biggest moment of their life to the state. And I mean, they're highlighting the worst thing that happened to them. Or on the other side of the spectrum, if there was someone in the military in the family, then they would be praising them. We have to talk about them as young athletes who are coming. They're, this is their dreams. Give that next generation of football players that motivation and show the excitement. Don't make that image that you have to come from struggle to be a top, to be a first round draft pick. I mean, keep it more on football, ESPN. I understand it keeps the attention there and it's changes things up but no it's too much Mm -hmm. if i had to view the draft the presentation of it objectively i would say that they did a really good job on the analysis they had the plethora of different analysts from nfl network espn and whatnot to help give their input and they really did overdo themselves compared to past years on their analysis and all that stuff. But one thing that I definitely thought was lacking was that, I guess, wholesomeness to it. It didn't really see, it seemed forced a lot of the time when they were talking about these stories. And one other thing, I'm definitely a bit of a sucker for the draft moments when they get the call. I really liked seeing that, to be honest, back in the, in the few, in the past drafts when the, draftee would get the call and they'd have that moment with their family and i know they did try their best to provide that this year but from my perspective i would definitely say that it looked a little bit less exciting for the players they didn't seem as emotionally into it as they traditionally are and that might be because they were limited in their ability to have family over and invite their peers and whatnot and that's a little upsetting because that's always a highlight for them but that's just me being a little nitpicky i still think it was really good I mean, in the end, they were doing it on the fly, and hats off to them. I mean, hats off to them, pardon me. Um, They did a great job. They put the full production together the way it needed to be done, and I think a few adjustments need to be made because there's not as many people working together to figure out what to do, and people are sitting on their own, and they're trying to compete and get that clickbait, so... We'll we'll see improvements if we see more sports in the virtual realm in the future, which I think is definitely a possibility, even a return in a return back to normal life. Mm-hmm. It can be a good thing and a bad thing, and it's all about how they use it. So I want to talk to you a little bit about my reaction to the draft, Ryan, and I want to get your opinion on some of my thoughts. Of course, right when the draft happens, there's a lot of immediate reaction and a lot of noise, a lot of differing opinions. So it's hard to, you know, decipher how you think about things for yourself. I've had a few days here to gather my thoughts and put together a list of a few teams that I think had a really good draft and a few teams that I think kind of butchered it. I'd like to dive into those for you and get your opinion, if that's all right with you. Well, I'm going to start off with the Dallas Cowboys. They had 
awesome draft. I know they were in the news a little bit this morning about Jerry Jones forcing C.D. Lamb to wear number 88 to kind of give him that picture as the number one receiver, carry on the legacy, Mike Irvin, Des Bryant. But they had a wonderful draft. Trayvon Diggs, that kid could be a superstar. Neval Gallimore, Canada prep boy from Ottawa, played, in Saint, played, played his high school football in St. Catharines for a travel school that played played all their games in the States. I mean, that kid, I love to see a Canadian boy playing on the big stage. Mm-hmm. The Cowboys were honestly my first pick as well. There was a lot of mixed review on the Cowboys draft because initially on day one, when they only had one selection, a lot was made about them selecting C.D. Lamb over filling other uh, glaring positional needs that they had because we all knew about their loss of Byron Jones and they also had a pretty notable vacancy at the safety positions. But it ended up working out tremendously for them. And I got to give credit to Jerry Jones because he's had some, some I guess you could say, tra- some lack of success in his drafting in the past. A lot of um, negative noise towards him. But he really did do a good job maintaining a best player available mindset in this draft. I think CeeDee Lamb was unquestionably the best player available at number three. And it gives them an immediate trio of wide receivers that could contend to be the best trio in the league. And as I've mentioned to you off the set, there's been a progressive trend within the NFL to move towards more three wide receiver sets with about 60% of the plays being ran three wide receiver, one tight end, one running back. So definitely helping out the Cowboys there. Any thoughts on that? So you're a Broncos fan and you just said they took CD lamb as the best available player. I mean, going into the draft, I was saying Jerry Judy was the number one wide receiver, and I still believe that. I know you're a Broncos fan. I know you were thrilled with their draft. What do you What do you have to say on that and that rivalry between – not that rivalry, but that the receiver comparison between Judy and Lamb, and where do you think Ruggs fits in? Because I know a lot of people disagree with Ruggs being the first receiver off the board. That's a great question, Ryan, and I'm definitely going to dig into the Broncos in a little bit here because I have them as one of my teams that had a really good draft. But on the note of the Cowboys, I'm not going to twist my words. I've had CeeDee Lamb as my number one wide receiver throughout the draft process above Jerry Judy and above Henry Ruggs. However, if we go back on the further podcasts, if anyone wants to fact check me, I had CeeDee Lamb and Judy as my 1A, 1B, both with a considerable gap above Henry Ruggs, who I thought had all the tools to be a great wideout, but was far less proven than the others. So regarding the Cowboys, I think they were very fortunate to get a guy like CD at 17. I know they could have addressed corner and they could have addressed safety there. Xavier McKinney could have been the guy at safety who ended up slipping all the way into the second round. But one thing I wanted to note here when we talk about the Cowboys is that corner was one of the positions that everyone was harping on them for in that first round. A lot of corners were going off the board. AJ Terrell was one of those mid-tier corners that went in the first round, whereas the Cowboys ended up sticking BPA and going CD Lamb. I can tell you with certainty that if they took Trevon Diggs with that first round pick, no one would have batted an eye. Everyone would have thought that was one of their number one corners on their board. They're going and filling a major positional need, and no one would have questioned it. But Jerry stuck to his guts. He took the best player on the board in CD, and he got to wait all the way until the second round to get that same guy, Trevon Diggs, at somewhere in the 50s. I'm not too sure. And then, as you mentioned, they also got Neville Gallimore. I think the Cowboys are a huge winner from the draft. I don't trust on the, on the topic of cornerbacks, Reggie Robinson also. They, I mean, two picks later, the Cowboys took him. I mean, he played at, at Tulsa last year. He had a great season. And, I mean, one of those guys, especially at DB, if you're a baller and you show up to training camp getting ready to ball, you got a shot. Mm-hmm. 
And I wanted to answer that second part of your question because you kind of hinted at it. The Broncos, another team that I think killed this draft, trying not to let my bias play into it. And there certainly were a couple selections that were questionable considering that they had 10 picks. But a lot of them were really good and helped fill a lot of their major positional needs. I want to talk about that a little bit. My big winner, aside from the Broncos, who had a great draft as a team, the big winner of uh, the draft from a few nights ago, Drew Locke, our starting quarterback. Man, did we get that guy some weapons. As you mentioned, first round, Jerry Judy, a lot of people's number one wide receiver. My number two, but as I referenced, a 1A, 1B type of situation. Judy's a phenomenal route runner and definitely the most NFL-ready of the wide receivers. I don't need to sell Judy to you guys. I know you all know his skill. I want to talk a little bit about the other guys. KJ Hamler meets that speed element that ultimately the Raiders were chasing with Henry Ruggs. Didn't get to run a 40 at the Combine, and his pro day got cancelled. But he's definitely one of the biggest speedsters in college football. And additionally, the Broncos were able to select Lloyd Cushenbury, the center for LSU, with their third, their, their second of their third-round selections, because we had three third-round selections. And that also fills a major positional need. We don't really have a center because we lost Connor McGovern and Matt Paradis over the past two seasons, who have been splitting the duties. I think with the Denver, the Denver Broncos really killed this draft. Not a lot of glaring holes on the team anymore when you look at how their draft played out in, compare, in, uh, in combination with their offseason, which included a lot of trades, and you know, most notably A.J. Boye and Carl Casey. That's my thoughts on the Broncos. Hey, KJ Hamler, that guy has a motor to him. I've never, I, I mean, just from watching film, he's going, he's going a thousand percent every play. So, I mean, that underdog mentality that you play with, uh, Broncos are going to love that kid. Interesting note on what you were just talking about. KJ Hamler, as I said earlier, didn't run a 40 at the combine and his pro day got canceled. John Elway wanted to get an idea of what his speed was. And I know it's not entirely transferable when you do it like this, but he had a 100 yard kick return in one of his college games. I'm not sure which team it was against in this game, but it was pretty much like a straightaway run. So what John did was he took a 40 yard interval of that kick return and timed it out electronically to get an idea of how fast he would run that 40 yards. John timed KJ Hamler's 40 yards in 3.93 seconds. I know I should mention right now, that's not including his start, of course, which is where you lose a lot of the time in the 40. John said he expected it to translate to around 4.3 speed, potentially 4.2, potentially mid 4.3. You can't really tell, but definitely one of the faster guys in the draft. And he certainly is going to help contribute in the sense that he's going to take the top off of defenses and open the field up for Sutton, Judy, Fant, and guys like that. So a topic I wanted to go into really quick here was the Arizona Cardinals. I honestly thought Isaiah Simmons was one of the best players in this draft. I thought he should have gone before the eighth overall pick. The Cardinals are winning there. And then their second pick of the draft, Josh Jones, a versatile O-lineman who's played four different positions on the offensive line in four years. I mean, don't have too much to say on the Cardinals right now, but I just want to put it out there that I'm impressed with them. Yeah, and I want to comment on that a little because one similarity I noticed between the Cowboys and the Cardinals is that they both picked best player available in the first round of the draft, despite having glaring needs in their in certain positional groups on their team. And then as it played out, they were both able to address those positional needs in later rounds with great value. The Cowboys did so with Trevon Diggs after their selection of CeeDee Lamb, and the Cardinals did so by selecting Josh Jones, who fills a much-needed tackle void that they have after getting one of the best players in the draft in Isaiah Simmons. I think that was fantastically done by the Cardinals, and I think that's a great point because they're certainly one of the winners. I didn't have them listed here, but the more I think about that, that's a win for the Cardinals. 
hundred percent couldn't agree with you more, Goldie, on that. Um, a very impressive draft by the whole front office there. Um, the next point I wanted to go into was basically early second round. This, I mean, this is a skill position frenzy. A lot we all know this. We're seeing tons of exciting guys getting taken off the board. We have T. Higgins going to the Bengals, Pittman Jr. to the Colts, DeAndre Swift to the Lions. But then at the number the 36th overall pick, the fourth pick of the second round, Xavier McKinney. Just want a quick question on what you thought about those safeties and guys like Grant Delpit, Antoine Winfield, Kyle Duggar in there. Mm -hmm. I mean, what's your opinion on those safeties? And do you think McKinney was at the top of that list? Yeah, McKinney was my number one safety. And I'm a huge BPA guy. I've stressed that for years of my life. I love picking players that are the best on the board in hoping that those fill positional needs rather than drafting to cater around the needs of your team. With regards to uh, Xavier McKinney, a lot of people had him as a candidate to go to the Cowboys to fill their safety vacancy at 17. Ultimately, they took CD, so that didn't happen. But I think McKinney is going to wind up being one of the biggest value steals in this draft. The Giants definitely had a bit of a questionable draft when you look at their first round selection. I do like Andrew Thomas, and he has definite skill, huge upper body, great length, and he's very consistent. But some could argue he wasn't the best player available on the board and they were drafting to fill their tackle need. But there's no question that at pick 36, the Giants were selecting the best player available at, with McKinney. And he clearly could have been a first rounder when you look at his projection amongst analysts. I think that was tremendous value. And he's definitely one of those sleeper value candidates moving forward into next season. Yeah, honestly, I was really impressed with Grant Delpit this year. But in some sense, McKinney is a way better tackler. He can play with that it factor but Delpit has that upside in his game that I love to see and with a raw safety coming into the NFL there's a lot of room for improvement there but McKinney's that much more fine-tuned and ready to make an impact on day one. Mm -hmm. I'm really impressed with these teams that we've talked about because a lot of teams had differing approaches when you look at a couple of the other teams I'm going to talk about here notably the Las Vegas Raiders they didn't really appear to be drafting along the standard of best player available. They appear to be filling vacancies in their team. So I want to talk about that now that I'm leading into it. My reaction to the bad teams. Want to talk a little bit about that before I dive into it? So I was just going to say, that sounds like classic Gruden and Mike Mayock to me. And I mean, every time you're watching one of their picks, it's like, okay, what do they know that no one else knows? Or what are they thinking? Because I feel like they're always taking that different angle. So I'm just excited to see what you think about that. Mm -hmm. I agree with you for sure. So the Oakland Raiders, excuse me, sorry, the Las Vegas Raiders, that's going to get some getting used to. Sorry to any Raiders fans who are listening to this. I do feel bad that you got your team taken away from Oakland because you actually did have a pretty good fan base aside from the Chargers, or in comparison to the Chargers, excuse me. The Raiders had a great fan base. I mean, yeah, they had that aggressive personality, but I mean, they fed in, they fed energy into the Coliseum, and it was beautiful. That's, that's what, what football is all about. That black hole was a great thing. Mm -hmm. So my my first reaction to a team that's had a bad draft is the is the Las Vegas Raiders. I think they really botched this draft. Mm -hmm. I got to tell you, I think they really did botch this draft. I do not like the first selection of Henry Ruggs at all. I was jumping up and down when that happened because I was almost certain that they were about to steal either CD or Judy away from the Broncos. I would have never imagined that Denver would have had their choice of either CD or Judy. And I can tell you I was about as conflicted as I could be because I was happy with either of them. But 
in short, I just can't believe that they would pass up on those two guys for rugs. I definitely recognize the potential there with the speed, but it's really not a justifiable pick when you look at the other guys that were on the board. And then when we go and move on from that, you got to even like, that's not even the worst pick they made. Damon, yeah, Damon Arnett, 19th overall. is That's the biggest reach of the first round. That's like extraordinarily bad. There were so many good players on the board. And as someone who plays the Raiders as you know, a fan of a team that plays the Raiders twice, I can't believe it because there's these guys that are immediate contributors on the board that I expected the Raiders to pursue at 19. And they go and take a guy with second to third round grades, almost consensus second to third round grades. That was really surprising. There is one thing I want to mention. The Raiders didn't entirely botch the draft. Lynn Bowden who played multiple positions in university and college. He most notably played quarterback this past season. They got him in the third round. I think that's a really good pick because he's a versatile guy that has shown his ability to be a playmaker at the college level. And I think that could be transferable to the league. What do you think about Lynn Bowden? He's one of those guys in this draft. You could put him in front of a whiteboard and he understands the game of football. And that's one of those First off, from a John Gruden perspective, that's a guy he wants to work with. He wants to sit down with guys in his meeting rooms and be able to create an offense, have his players buy in, and really get, really play around with people who understand the game of football, and they can work together in the film room, whiteboard, out, of, out on the practice field. He's a guy who understands the game. Mm-hmm. So the Raiders went three wide receivers. I guess Bowden is considered a wide receiver, but really he plays every position. He got announced as a running back when they drafted him, so it'll be interesting to see how they utilize Bowden. That's one guy I'm interested to see how he ends up succeeding. But aside from that, not very impressed with the Raiders. Brian Edwards could be decent, but that's three wide receivers that you're adding to your team in your first four rounds of selections, in addition to the fact that you just extended Tyrell Williams with a sub 10 plus or sorry actually act more than 10 million dollar deal annually it's like four years 44 million i think for tyrell williams they also have hunter renfro who's been excelling in the slot as well as darren waller so they're at a bit of a crunching cap crunch scenario here with their wide receivers gonna have to make some difficult decisions despite the fact that they had some other needs that they could have addressed while maintaining a bpa approach i really don't like their draft so that's my thoughts on the raiders well, I'm going to jump into the Los Angeles Rams quick here, Goldie. People are saying they had a bad draft. I disagree with them a little bit. Cam Akers, I know uh, I know Lee Disgust was one of his favorite players in this draft. I mean, I think he went around where he should have, but he's going to be an impact player in the league. And I think there's no way around that. He is a workhorse. And I mean – he finds a way to make plays when there's no plays available. Um, Van Jefferson, wide receiver out of Florida, he was a player who I actually enjoyed watching this year. I think he can surprise a lot of people. And Terrell, my linebacker from Alabama, we've watched him a bunch, obviously, on the big stage at Alabama. That's another impact player. So people are really criticizing their draft. I'm optimistic, I'm optimistic about what we can see there. Mm-hmm. The Rams was an interesting one. Hey, just to interrupt you quick, Goldie, um, Liram Harulahu, the former kicker for the Ticats signing with the Los Angeles Rams, just want to give a shout-out to Liram. Great guy and great kicker. Wishing the best for you. Big shoes to fill replacing Legatron out there in L.A., but one pick. I'm looking at the Rams selections here that caught my eye. Van Jefferson, the wide receiver out of Florida. He led the, he led the Gators in touchdowns the past two seasons, so props to him on that. 
However, there were some really good prospects on the board when they took Van Jefferson, notably at that position. One guy that catches my eye that made it past him, Denzel Mims. A lot of people had him as the fifth or sixth best wide receiver in this draft. That's an interesting pass-up right there. I know Mims was one of those guys who some people had a first-round grade on, didn't hear a lot of Van Jefferson first-round noise. So that's going to be something to monitor as the season progresses, whether or not they made the right decision there. Yeah, honestly, that's one of those guys. I think he has, a, like I said with a few of the guys earlier, he's got a big upside, and I think we can really be optimistic about that pick. So let's get to playing football. That's what we got to focus on now, and let's see what that upside is. Absolutely, man. So my last team that I'm going to talk about, I waited till the end to bring it up because it's a common theme, but I couldn't not mention it. The Green Bay Packers really botched the first round of their draft here. I don't really want to get too much into the later rounds because those it's hard to see until the season uh, begins how these picks really are going to play out, and I don't want to be too judgmental. But I cannot believe the fact that they took Jordan Love. So disrespect. I'm going to put that word out there right from the beginning. They didn't do this properly. I mean, if they wanted to take Jordan Love, they had some sort of attachment to him as a quarterback. I'm all right with that. I mean, I thought it was a bad pick. I thought it was a bad pick. But the organization handled it terribly. They pissed off Aaron Rodgers, which is never something you want to do. And you want to build that. If you're drafting a quarterback, you want to build the relationship that your starting quarterback, Aaron Rodgers, will mentor him and make him into the next franchise quarterback. And I really don't think Jordan Love in this situation is the best way to do it. Yeah, and it's interesting because the Packers traded up to get him right in the where they positioned themselves at 26 where they ultimately ended up taking Jordan Love there were a lot of really really good players that would have been immediate contributors on the Packers roster we all know about the first positional need wide receiver that Aaron Rodgers mentioned himself pre-draft when he discussed how he would reach out to their first round selection if they were to take a skill player help him get acclimated to green bay and start making making progress on that but aside from wide receivers who you know t higgins is the first name that comes to mind in that group but a lot of guys were available in addition to him patrick queen went two picks later oh my god if they had taken patrick queen instead of jordan love that would have been such a much needed addition to their defense to prepare them for this year's playoff run but instead they have a quarterback that's just going to sit on the bench i really don't like that hey i mean let's be hopeful that things uh can smoothen out a little bit his development can go well i'm wishing the best for the kid he's exciting to watch but overall i see disrespect so I'm going to leave the topic of that before I get into the ethics of uh, dealing with personnel right there, because that's not my uh, forte. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to jump into the Buffalo Bills here. Who's excited to see Jake Fromm in Buffalo with the fifth round pick? Yeah. I mean, I'm not a Bills fan. I'm a Colts fan, but I, I'm excited to see what happens. I think he can, obviously it's Josh Allen's. I mean, New Era Field belongs to Josh Allen, but hey, if they can work Jake Fromm into something, first off, the fans are going to love it. That's just something I wanted to throw out there because I know he's a topic uh, everybody wants to hear about. And for a lot of our listeners, Buffalo's a place that they would love to see him land. Mm -hmm. I know uh, Jake Fromm's been a popular topic on the show as well. And it's going to be interesting to see if he ends up getting any PT up in Buffalo. But Buffalo also had a good draft aside from Fromm. I like Epinosa in the second before you go into more on Buffalo, I just want to say that's the QB1 effect. That's going to happen whenever you have a quarterback out there having cameras follow him around all the way throughout high school. So 
I mean, it makes sense. And I just wanted to throw that out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd say Jake Fromm was definitely one of the biggest losers of the draft process. Killed his stock a little bit this past season at Georgia, not putting up the numbers people expected. And then absolutely drove his stock off of a bridge at the combine when he was underthrowing and overthrowing wide receivers. Didn't have the measurables people wanted. Just an all-around loss for Jake Fromm there. But in the end of the day, that's the beginning of the story. What matters is how he finishes it. He's got a good situation in Buffalo backing up Josh Allen. And I expect decent things from Jake Fromm considering I was a fan, you know in his QB one days. I can give you that. That's for sure. A quick question for you. Jalen Hurts, what do you think? Your, what's your opinion on him landing in Philly? So, so one of the things that came to mind with uh, Jalen Hurts is the Eagles, as history has, has suggested, they have a need for a backup quarterback as much as they don't want to admit it. I understand them not wanting to dedicate or delegate any money financially to acquire a backup quarterback thus them not paying Nick Foles the money other teams are paying him to have him as a backup. But when you get value like that with a guy like Jalen Hurts to come in as the backup in the second round, in addition to the fact that he also offers the potential to utilize two quarterback packages, even have him touching the ball in other respects, whether it be winding up as a wide receiver or whatever it is, it offers another element of intrigue to that Eagles offense while also fulfilling that need of having a backup quarterback. So I do actually get it. Like it makes sense to me that they would want a skilled backup considering how important having a skilled backup was in their Super Bowl season. Couldn't agree with you more. Um, Jalen Hurts, I'm, I'm really interested to see how they're going to work him into the system. There's a chance we see him on the football field. I mean, two, three snaps a game. Who knows where he's going to put him, but... He's really hard to tackle. Yep, it's going to be interesting to watch. Definitely. And one last thing I wanted to get out on that. Before you go into that, we saw a video of Jalen Hurts running the Philly Philly yesterday. I know I showed that to you, so Eagles fans definitely enjoyed that. And he did it well, too. He did it well. I'm going to ask Ryan in a little bit here about the running backs he liked because his team, the the Indianapolis Colts, he's a Colts fan, Got um got Jonathan Taylor, who was a terrific, a terrific selection, who's been a stud at Wisconsin. So I do want to pick your brain a little bit about that. But before I do so, I want to give a shout out to the best name of play of a player in the first round, Noah Igbenogany out of Miami, the corner. Or sorry, out of Auburn, going to Miami at number 30. I have been working a lot to pronounce that name. I saw it on my list here, and I had to take my shot. I'm happy I nailed it. Now let's get into the running backs. So what are your thoughts on the running backs? Let's talk Jonathan Taylor first. How do you think he lines up with Marlon Mack in the backfield? Man, I couldn't be happier about that. Like, I know I talked to you about a minute after we took him. I was literally, I mean, I was walking upstairs to refill my drink, and my brother's like, we traded up from 34 to 31, 34 to 31. I come sprinting down the stairs, literally get back in my seat. Like, this is the only time I left my seat the whole draft. I'm like, all right, I got three picks, like, I'll be back in 30 seconds. Next thing you know, Colts are picking, and I'm running back down the stairs. Jonathan Taylor, I was fired up. You know why? Because that's the Colts are going to run a system here where a one-two punch, or a let's say even eventually it could work into a 1A, 1B, is super beneficial. If we develop a really strong running game, we have Phillip Rivers playing well but not being abused, and in some sense, we're going to have targets on offense still. I mean – Pittman Jr., you got T.Y. still. Mm-hmm. There are certainly some exceptions to the lead back 
theory that you have to have one premier guy. Obviously, Christian McCaffrey is a guy who leads his team, undoubtedly Ezekiel Elliott, another premier player for his team. But what's been noticeable in these past few years is that there's been a definite trend towards running back duos. A one-two punch is becoming very common in today's game, and having the ability to deploy a good one-two punch is really important in today's offense, given the diversity the running back position holds, as they are now really involved in the passing game, as well as the running game and the pass protection. So I really do like the idea of having a one-two running back punch of Jonathan Taylor and Marlon Mack. Denver's about to go and do the same thing with Melvin Gordon and Philip Lindsay. And despite some public criticism, I'm a huge fan of it because I think there's plenty of benefits from that. So my thoughts, my thoughts align with yours entirely. I really like the idea of that one-two punch. So I put my Colts hat on because, hey, I'm a Colts fan. We're talking about the Colts. So we'll have this on for a quick minute or two and I'll get it right, right off. But I'm excited. I think it's going to be a trend in the future of the NFL where we're going to see a lot more one-two punches giving the running backs the break they need because we've seen guys take beatings throughout the season and not have the production they need when it comes down the stretch and when it matters. I think the Colts system with the Colts system will 100% fit in well with the two running back set and Marlon Marlon Mack will excel in this role and I think it will just make them both into better football players. I couldn't agree more. There's one last thing I want to end off on here. We've had a really good discussion on this post-draft stuff. I'm going to go first here because this is just a question I thought of right now. You can take a little time to think about it here. I want to talk about one player or even two players that you think are the best value selections in the entire draft. It can be first round player that's a good value, second round, all the way up until the last round. One guy on that note that caught my mind as a really good value pick, Tyler Johnson going to the Bucks in the fifth round is insanely good value. He was really, really good in college, had a lot of highlights and had great production. He had 13 touchdowns and 1,300 plus yards in his last season. Really like him. And I think the Bucks are a great fit for him. He's going to play third fiddle to Godwin and Mike Evans in that wide receiver trio right there. And that's going to be something to watch because Godwin and Mike Evans were already studs as a duo. Adding Tyler Johnson in just gives Brady even more weapons. And that offense is only getting even or is only getting increasingly explosive with the addition of Gronkowski and the addition of Brady, of course. So that's going to be something. So my biggest steal of the draft, or actually, you know, I'm going to have two quick mentions here because they're guys I actually have mentioned earlier in the episode. Josh Jones, offensive lineman who I've absolutely loved. I watched him play a bunch of Houston, saw him live his freshman year. I mean, this is a guy who is versatile on the O-line. I thought he was going to go mid-second round. He dropped down to the third. Hey, Josh Jones is one of my steals of the draft. And then Grant Delpit. I'm saying this could be the biggest deal of the draft just because of where his upside is. I have such high hopes for this guy, and he's raw. There's a chance that he won't develop into the type of NFL player that we're hoping for, but I think if he develops to his upside, this could be, looking back in a few years, the biggest deal of the draft. Agreed, man. Hey, and uh, thanks a lot for your insight. It was really fun getting on here and talking some post-draft stuff with you. You're going to be on a lot these next few episodes, just digging into some other topics as we as we count down the days till sports returns. So appreciate anyone who's made it this far listening. 
Just want to give you a little insight into what we're going to be doing moving forward. We're going to be talking some NFL offseason stuff as the season approaches, but we're definitely going to get into some discussion about basketball. We've got the Last Dance documentary, some more episodes continuing. We have to give our episodes three and four recap as well. A whole lot of other stuff. So looking forward to getting into some more conversation. And thanks for coming on, Ryan. Hey, Goldie, thanks a lot for having me and uh, can't wait for what the future holds of Let's Talk Sports. I had a, had a great time talking with you and listeners, it's just going to get more fun as the good times roll. Oh, yeah. And uh, definitely going to be having on some new guests these next couple weeks. If any of you want any specific topics to be discussed, feel free to DM Ryan, Sherm, myself, any of us, and we'll be happy to work it in. Thank you very much for listening and take care, everyone. Also, one more thing. If you guys have any baseball topics you'd like to be discussed, shoot us a DM and we'll be happy to talk about it. Absolutely. Take care, folks.